This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome into episode 134 of Half Measures. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan Whiting-King. Kia Dan, how are you? I am very good, Paul. Glad to be back. We've uh, we've had a week off, um, well, for important reasons, but we're back. We've got some great things to talk about. It's going to be a good episode. I can feel it in my bones. It's a historic moment when Half Measures doesn't publish on a, on a Friday at 4 o'clock, and it's... Uh, it's weird thinking, you know, we used to do this. Remember when we used to do it fortnightly? I know, right? Back like in the day. I, back in the day. Well, did we go, the first podcast, it was like one episode, like, and then it was like a month or six weeks later, we finally did another one and there was like some crazy rhythm to it. But now it kind of feels weird when we don't record. Yeah. Like, it, it's like a missing part of my it's, life. It is weird. We were back in those days, Dan, we were young. We didn't know what we were doing. We were rec- 134 episodes. We were ago. recording on a <laughs> on a phone in a, in a room. An iPhone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Look at us now. We've got like microphones. And, and the studio, the studio setup we've got here is something else, right? Microphones, the studio. It's the total package now. Oh, you know, the Patreon producers have really kind of made this happen it's for really us. Come through for us. They really have. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Dan, let's jump straight back in and get back amongst what we do best. Or I like to think that's what we do best. What have you been watching? All right, I've got a couple of things for you this week, um, Mr. Canal. So the first thing, um, I've actually got another music documentary. If you remember last week, I, previous week, I was talking about the, the Woodstock documentary. Yes. A little bit of context here for this one. And so this weekend just gone, I went to the, um, was it this weekend? Weekend, anyway, sometime in the very recent past, I went to the Billie Eilish concert, and that was in Auckland, and someone recommended to me, um, make sure you watch the the Billie Eilish documentary on Apple TV, it's called The World's A Little Blurry, and it was really, really good, like it wasn't really a documentary on my radar, I'm not, I kind of have a bit of a, I go through phases of liking documentaries, Mm -hmm. right, and this is it just kind of it just hit at the right time and this was a great kind of documentary story of of her kind of life to date and the documentary crew kind of follow her from the almost like the very like very early days of her career where she's just launched uh, ocean eyes it's on soundcloud it's blowing up it's getting viral and it follows her life with her family, kind of how grounded she is, her relationship with her brother. Obviously, they record a lot of music together and sort of follows her as she sort of goes on her first tour and kind of blows up into a star. And it's just a, if you're a, if you're a music fan, if you're a Billie Eilish fan, it, it's a really good little documentary. I just sort of, you know, just had a look on her profile. I didn't realize she was so young as well, like only just 10, you know, just 20. And this, um, this documentary, also, two hour twenty runtime. That is a fair runtime for a documentary. So much to obviously say it for someone so young. And then my third point, just quickly, is looking at the the cast. And there's like nine people in there, most of them singers. And then there's Orlando Bloom in there as well. What's the deal there? Okay, so, that's a great question. So in one of, um, I think it might have been at. Coachella or a music festival that Billie Eilish was playing at um, and she's kind of like this is you know she's sort of really blowing up and there's various sort of stars that she runs into and so she runs into Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry's like you know embrace the journey you're gonna love it like just you know this is going to be the best years of your life if you ever want to talk to someone about you know kind of fame and stardom um, then you know I'm here for you, and her partner was Orlando Bloom, and I don't know if they're still together, but right. who knows? I don't, I, I don't follow these Hollywood super <laughs> before. And so anyway, so Orlando's like, I'm a really big fan, and he kind of gives her a hug, and he's kind of like, I really love your work, blah blah blah. And then it cuts back to um, Billy 
telling her family about this and she didn't realize who Orlando Bloom oh, was. No. Like she's That's like, so good. oh, wait, you mean like legalist? You mean the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean? And she's like, oh my God. And so she kind of like, <laughs> eventually they kind of run into each other again and she's like, oh my God, I've just realized who you are. And because it's, you know, we kind of peak COVID, everyone's wearing masks. Like Orlando Bloom doesn't have his elf ears on. Like he's looking like a very normal person. So <laughs> She's born in December 2021. That's uh, right, December 2001, which if memory serves, wasn't it Christmas 2001 that the first uh, Lord of the Rings movie came out? So it's like, no wonder she doesn't recognize him straight away. Yeah, exactly. So just sort of like a, a different sort of sense of reality. And you're right, like so young and just sort of this amazing kind of journey over a relatively short period of time. And, you know, largely her career is kind of built with her, her and her brother recording, um, you know, tracks and sounds and sort of pulling together um, albums. And basically in their in, in her brother's bedroom and they've just got like their you know the macbook and they've got some recording gear and they're just you know they truly were kind of a you know overnight success and it's just gone from strength to strength amazing that's really good i i think as well when you're watching a, a music document documentary about someone who you if you enjoy their music as well there's there's such a it's so great to see that other side because you sort of see the singing and then the the life story behind the scenes and all the rest of it. That's great. I think you're right. And I think because I was going to the concert, like, you know, a few days later, it really made the concert experience feel real mm. in the sense that, you know, like when she's kind of talking to the crowd and interacting with people, I felt like, you know, I kind of knew the, I knew the Billy from the documentary. So definitely if you've got Apple TV and you're a fan, I'd, I'd highly recommend checking it out. And the, the two hours 20, they fly by. Awesome. Nice one. Uh, and then I've got a, a TV show for you, Paul. And... This one, as I started it, I was a little bit nervous. It came out in 2022. I was like, I don't have room on my list for another top TV show. But So this was a, a recommendation that was made to me by someone that I work with. And it's a Disney Plus TV show here in New Zealand. It's uh, made by FX. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. And it stars um, Andrew Garfield. And I remember seeing the posters and a few kind of social media ads for this. And the posters didn't really speak to me. Like I kind of, I'm like, what is, is this some sort of like religious something? Like what am, what am I looking at here? And I I didn't really think too much about it. But after a recommendation from someone, decided to check it out. And so the basic premise here is so um, Andrew Garfield, who, we, you know, we know from Spider-Man, he's basically a, a Mormon um, in the Latter-day Saints. And he's also a, a um, detective and he basically has he's he lives in Utah with his family it's a sort of heavy heavy um, Mormon state a lot of sort of religion it's set kind of in the 80s 90s I would mm -hmm. say and a, a terrible crime basically happens within the Mormon community and he's basically investigating it alongside his I guess his partner um, I'm just trying to find his name he's from Yellowstone um, I'm just looking on IMDb. Why can't I see his face? He pays, um, is it Thomas Rainwater? Where, oh, here he is. Oh, yes. Um, yep. I know who you mean. So Gil, yeah, so Gil Birmingham, <laughs> he's his partner. And so he kind of brings a, a Native American vibe. Andrew Garfield's got his, like, he's, as, a, as the title, as a, he's a devout religious kind of follower. He believes in this. His family believes in this. And it's kind of a a mini-series police drama that's about kind of the tension of whatever your faith, faith is and kind of like trying to navigate that when a crime's been committed and how you kind of hold those two things, uh, I guess, in tension. And like I'm not, a, I'm not a religious person at all. I know very little about sort of Mormonism, but this TV show kind of does something quite interesting where it kind of tells you a little, quite a bit about that sort of, that religion it tries to sort of it paints the picture of how this religion came to be um and it sort of goes back and forth in time they're also dealing with a case it's got a pretty great cast it's a it's a pretty good watch i don't think it's going to make it into my top 10 but it would probably definitely be an honorable mention at this stage mm. well a relief that it's not going to be challenging for the top 10 because we've both got problems with those two lists um just quickly looking at this, um, I also spotted Sam Worthington in the movie, in the series, sorry, and I, I've often wondered what happened to him after Avatar and Terminator, where did he go? I just haven't seen him in anything, so it's good to see him 
pop up. And I also spotted, uh, not that we've got to our movie of the week yet, but I also spotted Daisy Edgar-Jones, who I've never seen before, before the movie we'll talk about later. But um, she's in this as well. Um, other than that, um, Andrew Garfield's the big star here, right? Yeah, we've also got um, Wyatt Russell, I guess, is who I've most recently come across in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Disney Plus TV oh, yes. show. Um, he's another sort of core character, but it, it's very, it's so it's very sort of centered around this um, quite uh, powerful uh, family, I guess, called the Lafferty's, and the Lafferty's kind of hold a lot of sway in the community, and. It's kind of about unpacking a crime, a sort of a murder based around these sort of families. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting kind of, um, I guess, getting a bit of an inside look at a religion, understanding particularly how we're, where some of the, the spouses and wives come into play and whether they, they come from that life or whether they've kind of been brought up in it and their different mindsets and approaches to it. Um, I think Andrew Garfield, like this is a, award-winning performance he gives like he you really believe his character and the tension that he's struggling with and he's sort of he's so sort of emotional and a sort of commitment to trying to stay trying to stay strong to his faith but also he needs to do the right thing and the more that he finds out about this murder the more it makes him sort of question everything he believes and I think there's such a sort of great supporting cast around him it's a it's a really solid watch and it's only seven episodes long yeah I see that and it's it seems to be rating um pretty highly as well and i think something that appeals to me as you know i'm obsessed with uh, with writers um it's um dustin dance black sorry dustin lance black and he he's done some pretty you know when he writes he he has direct he directs this as well i think it's pretty much one of his first directionals by the looks of it but when he writes he does tend to do some pretty hard-hitting or some some really solid like jay edgar's in there or milk the sean penn from the there's some really big sort of um things he's only got 13 credits so he does he's only done a few things over the course of like the last i don't know 20 years but he sort of seems to save it up and and deliver something quite powerful by the looks of it definitely and i think he's um i think this is i'm glad that it was only seven episodes i think there was the one downfall I would say of this is I don't know whether it really gave me the conclusion I wanted right. but I did also appreciate that this is a mini series mm-hmm. like I I don't want more of this universe, so I, I it kind of gave me a, a start to finish, but maybe not necessarily all of the wrap up I maybe I maybe wanted. And I, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. Like with Gil Birmingham, particularly, you know, we know him so much from Yellowstone. It's so fun to see him as kind of play a younger character in mm-hmm. this film, and he he plays kind of a a middle aged detective. Whereas when I think about him in Yellowstone, he's kind of a you know he's a tribal elder. He's he's a, a little bit more kind of uh, strategic, but in here he's kind of he's a he's a, he's an awesome detective, and he plays such a nice counter to Andrew Garfield, and particularly I think the the Native American aspects that he brings into yeah, play. Yeah, the the picture of the two of them together, and they've both got their badges. Um, I see what you mean. Is a very different look to to Thomas Rainwater for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like it's, and almost his hair yeah, even more relaxed. Is. Like it's like it's like your hair can stand down. Yeah, that's right. It's fine. Yeah, so that is on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, I think it's it's well worth checking out. And as I say, like, and I don't say things would almost make my top ten lightheartedly. Like, like I, I do. think it's 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 <laughs> <laughs> like it's very up there. It pro- I just know that there's so many other top contenders this year. It'll probably edge it out, but it's a uh, yeah. I think if you're looking for sort of a, a one-off good sort of crime drama mystery. This could be something interesting to check out. Awesome. Great stuff. That is me, Paul. What have you been watching? A couple of things for me this week, Dan. I'm sort of playing catch up on some things that you've watched uh, back when they were a new release. This time it's 2021's The Many Saints of Newark, uh, which let me just read the synopsis just before I start my rants. And I have got a couple. Witness the making of Tony Soprano. Uh, the story that reveals the humanity behind Tony's struggles and influences, especially his uncle Dickie Moltisanti had over him becoming the most iconic mob boss of all time. And then you've got the poster who made Tony Soprano. And uh, when I think about the words they've used there, it's quite clever because they are talking, they're not so much talking about Tony. They're talking about who made him. 
And it takes me back to when you talked to me about it and sort of tempered some of my expectations around this movie, because I, like you, had initially thought I was coming in this uh, into this to sort of see all about Tony Soprano, which was always going to be fascinating given that James Gandolfini's son, Michael Gandolfini, um, plays the role. But we get about 10 minutes of Tony. And so I knew that was happening because of what you told me. And so I was hoping that I'd come into this and I would have a better time. I've got a lot of positives to talk about. But overall, I've got to start off by saying it was a good story, a, a great gangster story, actually. But it wasn't the Soprano story. It wasn't the Soprano story I cared about. And, you know, just like you, I love prequels. But I don't know that it was a movie I wanted. To, I, I don't think it's a story that works in a movie. I think this is a like a six-part miniseries. Um and it needs to be marketed differently. But I'll, I'll get into some positives in a minute. Mm, no, I, I think, and I'm pretty sure I said similar things when I when I first talked about it, because I think you're right. It either has to have more kind of depth and layers that it ought to make you really appreciate all of these great characters, or maybe it shouldn't have been any sort of linkage to The Sopranos. Like a gangster story yeah. on its own might have been, I think that's a good call, that that could have been a, another way to tell the story but i guess with david david chase at the film um it was always going to have that sopranos link but yeah keen keen to hear what you think yeah i mean with david chase i mean it was always going to be sopranos but you could quite easily change all of the characters names and have a completed story and we could be looking at then uh i wouldn't say a good fellas but we 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 could be looking at a Mm. really solid good quality gangster movie and i will be talking a few spoilers because there are some bits that i just need to bring up but um some of the great things for me in this were the performances of some of the main cast and um and and one of the jobs that that was done well in terms of homage to the sopranos was uh vera farmiga as as livia soprano um tony's dad so good so well disguised her voice was was on point, just like just absolutely spot on. Uh, John Magaro as Silvio, um, who was kind of like a he's one of Tony's henchmen. He was a you know he was a prominent character, but he was always maybe on to the side. But he he was just absolutely brilliant. He nailed it. The look, the mannerisms, um, and of course Ray Liotta. He just slipped into this this whole genre, this universe, and the way they used him if you remember to play the two twin brothers was, was mm. great. Um, so good that, you know, so good that he got to do another film like this before he died because, you know, back in a genre that he's just got a great voice for and a, and a great just pedigree for. Um, and then the last one I wanted to call out was uh, Corey Stahl, who I know best from House of Cards. He played Junior Soprano. I thought he was another standout for me in terms of, um, just bringing to life those characters. These were the performances, um, not not Ray Liotta, although he was good, but the the, the Vera Farmiga, the the, the Corey Stall, um, just brings those uh, and Johnny Margo, Magaro, sorry, as Sylvia, as bringing those three characters to life, really tied it to the Sopranos world. But beyond that, as I said, I didn't get that Sopranos. Um, Sopranos moment I was hoping for, with the exception, of course, of the, the final scene, which was awesome. How they they finished with the Sopranos music, and then we had uh, what's his name, Michael Imperioli, uh, coming back to to do a narration as uh, Christopher Moltisanti. You know, such a great voice. It was a nice touch. That was kind of makes me wonder, and because I've been, you know, I tried to reintroduce a Sopranos watch in my household a little while ago to a limited success, but it's still kind of sitting with me that I'm, I I am ready for a Sopranos rewatch. And I wonder whether this film might resonate more if, you know, like a bit like an El Camino, right? Like, do you do a full rewatch of Sopranos, then you come in with the many saints of um Newark and then it kind of like feels like a bit of a package because I think one of the things that I remember struggling with a little bit from this movie is I spent a lot of time kind of like almost wasting mental energy trying to connect up mm. you know who uh, who oh Sylvia he's probably he's a bad example but like oh Paulie Warner's oh okay yeah I'm trying to sort of connect them all up and remind myself of who the older version of each one of these are and I wonder whether that might just sort of feel better if you're coming straight off the TV yeah tour. I think it definitely would um although 
again, I still point the finger at the way this has been marketed, and there was they were heavy on the Michael Gandolfini um, sort of. You know, as I mean, such an incredible moment for I guess any child to follow in their parents uh, in a role, uh, and I can't think of many times that's happened. Let alone for it to be someone, you know, so well respected and and, and liked as James Gandolfini, someone who's passed away, and to come in and play a character that became so big because this was you know less than what are we talking twenty years ago? This was a huge show, and um, there's just so many layers there that make it really really special. But um, going back to the good, the, the good moments of this in terms of gangster movie, I mean, just some really solid um, direction from Alan Taylor on some of these scenes, like really some of the hardest hitting gangster type moments I've seen probably since The Irishman. Um, the ones that spring out to, to mind, of course, are our, our favorite um, John, John Burnthal, uh, who played Johnny Soprano, when he's like... He, driving on the car and you know, he, he shoots his gun to, to, to try and make uh, his wife, you know, be quiet. And then he just, he looks over and he goes, don't give me that look. Like, you know, don't give me that look. He shot a gun. The interrogation scene with the, uh, with the power drill that gets used to do some dental work. The scene at the beach where um, uh, Maldacenti's wife admits to having an affair and what unfolds there. I mean, just some really intense really intense ganks and i'm not saying i i want to say i like those holy crap scenes but a gangster movie needs though that hard line to make it feel authentic right and i think you know you're right with alan taylor like he's got such a great back catalog of you know he's worked on episodes of the sopranos he's worked on game of thrones he's worked on house of the dragon he's working on the upcoming interview with the vampire like he's like he's the man and this is i think another reason why it kind of surprise me is I feel like you've got a great cast you've got great writers you've got a great director but it still wasn't an, enough to turn this into something the magical thing it should Correct. have been and that it was disappointing um also Alan Taylor Terminator Genesis number three best Terminator movie of all time a lot of that down to Alan Taylor's direction for me I, I think you're right though just it just you just I can't help using the word disappointed you come away feeling like it's it's not what it it's not what i think the whole world probably expected it to be and um and that is a bit of a a shame it didn't hold my attention from the point of view of a sopranos perspective it it had my attention as a gangster movie it didn't hold my attention the sopranos and um yeah um but hey it's if you'd like sopranos if you like gangster movies i think you're definitely going to get something out of it and um it's available on neon here in new zealand to watch I think for me, just it's one of those movies that you feel better about watching on a streaming service as opposed to paying oh, to go to a movie theater. So glad like, I didn't. Like it makes it bearable. So glad I didn't pay to watch it. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. yeah, that would that would have been. Yeah, walking out it would have been a long drive home, sort of. And I, who wants yeah, to have that yeah, feeling? Because yeah. there's so much about this that is good. So much. The performances were so strong. Uh, Definitely. And then season two of Only Murders in the Building. That's uh, that's my uh, second watch this week. Uh, so I talked about season one of this uh, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight months ago, whenever it was. Three strangers who share an obsession with true crime suddenly find themselves caught up in one and start a podcast. And um, this TV show continues to amaze me. I really liked season one. I wondered if they'd be able to continue the to the same standard. And I feel like they really have. And as I've said before, I've gone from being someone who sort of doesn't like, thought I didn't like Madden Short, or and I was kind of eh, on Steve Madden to being a, a huge fan of, of 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 both of them. Honestly, the two of them uh, alongside Selena Gomez, there is a chemistry there that I don't know why it works, but it just works, and I. I had another really fantastic time watching this second season. This is, uh, you reviewed it back in episode 102 of the uh, of there you podcast. Go. Using our handy uh, TV movie review finder on the That's website. a good idea. So, great idea. I keep hearing more and more about this TV show, Paul, and it's, you know, I put it on my watch list uh, after after episode 102, and now that season two's come out, I 
it, like it's still on there and I keep hearing more and more positive things and it reviews really well and I, I probably the same thing I said after you reviewed the first season the overall cast doesn't actually appeal to me but obviously some magic occurs and I, I need to get my eyeballs on it yeah the, 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 it's a really good way of the overall cast on principle doesn't appeal to me it shouldn't it, and you know even when you sort of um, you know you, you, you throw in uh, little cameos here and there from well I won't even mention them because you do go away and watch them but uh, there's there's some other people that show up and it just all comes together and two of the words that I love to use when I talk about how my obsession with great writing is clever and funny and it, it's it's genuinely funny and there's not many shows I can think of that give me that so I can think of you know comedies obviously make you laugh but this this makes you laugh but the whole way through you're trying to solve a mystery as well and then uh of course one of the things that really drew me in is the fun of the fact that they're doing this all as a podcast and watching them do the podcast and trying to find different ways to make it more exciting or to embellish things or to um I don't know just like oh did we get any more subscribers it's it's it, there's some funny synergies there that I really think you would enjoy as well. I would say that uh, this this second season does um, it, it it goes straight off the back of season one, and so it's definitely not a season that you can just come in without having watched the first. So if anyone who is thinking of watching it definitely would want to do the the season one two um, whole watch. And as you told me, I think a couple of podcasts ago, Steve Martin has said that he will not likely be doing anything after this well i'll tell you what you better be there for season three because this 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 show needs him i mean look i've got to i've got to bump it up the list like i think it needs i need to see it i need to be i need to be in sync for season three yeah i think if you do watch it i really i'll be interested to hear your thoughts on it because um for me i think it's just something about when you press play on a series Sometimes you press play and you think, oh, yeah, this, I've been waiting for this. I can't wait for this. And you go with it. But sometimes you're like, am I going to like this? Or I don't know how things work in your house, but sometimes it's like, oh, one person might suggest something. Or, and sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to be for me. But like the last, for instance, the last three things that we've watched that Diana selected, I've really loved. And so it's always, a, it's always good sometimes when you sort of sit down and watch something. That's what I love about our movie of the week thing, where it's like, I might not have chosen that movie. And now I've, I've watched something that I really enjoy. I think too, I kind of appreciate kind of mixing it up with kind of like lighter episodes of things as well. Like, you know, you watch something real heavy, like uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, and it's like they're one hour, sometimes one hour, five minute episodes. Like, and they're real kind of like there's murder, there's intrigue, and it's like sometimes actually having a bit of a a more relaxed, fun TV show, it's good for the soul. It really is. This is another another watch on. on Disney Plus, only murders in the building. Great shout, Paul. That is everything for me except for our two joint watches this week, Dan. Yeah, so this week we have a, a joint review of season five of Cobra Kai. So this is going to be probably a bit of a, a spoiler-rich uh, review of Cobra Kai. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to jump ahead, use the time codes in the show notes below. But basically, Season 5 of Cobra Kai uh, basically picks up after the shocking results of the All-Valley Tournament. And Season 5 finds Terry Silver expanding the Cobra Kai empire and trying to make his no-mercy style of karate the only game in town. With Chris now behind bars and Johnny Lawrence settling, uh, setting karate aside to focus on repairing his, the damage cause, Daniel LaRusso must call on an old friend for help. Bit of a classic um, Cobra Kai intro there with lots of sort of drama and intrigue already sort of set to play out. What did you think of the season, Paul? Overall, this season is another winner for me and it's it just hits all of the right notes for me. and. What I'm really pleased about, again, I guess we're we're talking spoilers, is that it it didn't take us down another all valley high. It didn't it didn't give us something. There's only so many times you can blow up the Death Star, right? They they didn't try and redo things too much. They I think I quite like the fact that that Kreese was in in jail because I felt that maybe there was too much focus on him in the in the in the last season. 
they did some things with the characters that I felt were needed. They did they didn't do everything right, and we'll come to that. But for me, the things they did do right, I loved some of the sort of the redemption stories, or um, you know, like we had Robbie and Miguel teaming up and being you know on the right side i I mean i like the fact that danny and johnny lawrence are the same team tori was no longer the you know the bad baddie you know she she came good as well um and of course i thought the the finale was i thought it was a a superb final episode high adrenaline i really enjoyed the season 10 what about you you know when i start with a cyborg it's always tough um, so I'm, I am a big Cobra Kai fan. I feel like I've been championing the show, particularly seasons one to three. It's like some groundbreaking TV and, and really well done. There was moments of this season I enjoyed, but I would almost say overall, like Samara and I both found this, we found it a little bit of a chore to watch at times and a little bit of the, the storyline starting to get a little bit fatiguing in the sense that, yes, they moved a few things on and I think they were much better at kind of closing story arcs this time. But at the same time, I kind of felt like we were treading old ground. And if it wasn't for the amazing William Kepka, like carrying the show, I I feel like I've really kind of switched camps. And I think Cobra Kai slash Karate Kid do this all the time where they, they make you feel different things for different characters. I found Ralph Macho's character so annoying this season. But anything anything with William Zadka and him just sort of becoming a dad and just being Johnny Lawrence just was an incredible time and I always found myself laughing. And I think, don't get me wrong, like I, I overall had a like I had an okay time. I guess it just wasn't as um, groundbreaking or as fresh as I really wanted it to be, like some of the earlier seasons. Interesting, because I put it a, a notch above season four, and I think season four for me, there's something about the crease story that didn't work, and so I think I like the fact. But the, the, the one of the I made three notes for this, and the third note is, says question for Dan, and the question I was going to say is, is this is this where we should end the series? Because we've got most things wrapped up, taken care of, you know, and. And, and the reason I asked that question is because I made the observation that if I was to remove Johnny Lawrence and probably Stingray from this series, is there actually enough story for me to get too excited about coming back for a sixth season? And of course, the writers, mm-hmm. I understand, are off doing something different anyway. There's been no confirmation of a sixth season. And I, w- I mean, I would love to be proved wrong because this has been a great five seasons, and uh, but I would hate to see it go all walking dead and try and go on too long. I have heard rumours that they're like six is kind of the final. Okay. Um, but I'm with you, like, I think you could end it here and kind of everyone just goes on with their lives in a, in a fairly happy guy. I think, because I think you're right, like I think season one to two, bottled magic. Three, I think the cracks start to appear. I think you're right. Five Season five is probably better than four. Um, and I think with a show like this, like you don't want to outlive your your welcome yeah. like and i want to cover this in the news this is already talk of another kind of karate kid movie on the works um unrelated to cobra kai but i just think like this this was something magic that brought back some great memories and every now and again the writers still manage to do it in different parts of the episodes where they've got so many kind of pop culture references and funny one-liners and there is some real great standout cast members and I think one of the things in this season is there was almost more time on the on the adults this season than there was on the on the young people. And I think that's probably because we maybe have exhausted a lot of those sort of young people storylines. But at the same time, I kind of found myself not as interested in the adults because it was kind of it made it a bit ridiculous. Whereas the kids having karate fights kind of felt more over the top. Of yeah, them. look, that's interesting because I when I think about what I enjoy about the show, it is the you know as we said the Johnny Lawrence team it's it's perhaps some of the adult characters some of the kids stories have maybe not bearing in mind um you know we're watching this as a family with my 13 year old son and so he's cracking up at all the stuff so I'm I'm probably enjoying it through his enjoyment of it but I find um so yeah so what you're saying about the adults being a little bit ridiculous they paint the bad guys a little too bad, a little too cliche, moustache twirling villains like Terry Silver mm-hmm. and his 
his senseis were all like how do you recruit people that are so fundamentally you know bad evil and um so i i think that becomes that's where it really crosses the line into this wouldn't really happen would it um and i guess the other thing i miss is i think johnny lawrence is at his best at cobra kai screaming quiet at the kids and some of that energy um when he's off doing different missions whilst it is funny it's not fundamentally what i think is is where he's best and that's and that's the thing right because i think miyagi do is so kind of you know purist and kind of chilled out whereas johnny lawrence is like let's go to the quarry and lift rocks up and then like we'll do something stupid and, and kind of over the top and yes there's the kind of like the dumb beefs that happen but it, i think that's what makes johnny lawrence's best because he's just he is kind of a fish out of water living in a world that doesn't really make sense to him anymore and i do think one of the other challenges that they've got to that they're, they're probably really dealing with which is why i think it probably needs to almost come to an end as a lot of these kids are just getting yes. too old like they like they're not ten, like they're clearly beyond teenagers like you know it's it's ridiculous yeah and i i yeah i'll be honest i i do struggle with um that's that element of of someone being blatantly too old and i forget what we've talked about where they've sort of called it out and made a joke about it somehow to sort of explain like the kid that was still there had gone mm. back at school oh stranger oh, things, stranger that was things. It. yeah, yeah. It's, i think sometimes you need to do that because yeah it becomes a little bit uh, a little bit much but um no i mean i think one thing that's tough is i feel like i'm picking quite big holes in a tv show that was always from the start ridiculous and over the top and that's what i loved about it but i feel like now the ridiculous and over the top feels so retreated all the time it's making like it's it's stopping me kind of just experiencing the fun that was cobra kai and making me start to sort of look at it like a little bit like and, and and pick holes in it a bit too much which i i don't think is what you should do for cobra kai and i think the thing which i think is interesting is this is reviewing bloody well like all of the episodes have got like pretty high scores so clearly i'm i'm not really in sync with everyone else but it's um like I, i'm glad that there's still people getting enjoyment out of it I just feel like I've lost a little bit of my spark with this show unfortunately yeah no, that is the worst way for it to ever go because um like I said, that's the, you know, we think about it with The Walking Dead. You know, when was the right time to have, have put that one to bed? It's no one wants to have that with with this show. Um, the the crease factor was a big one for me because I thought how they had his character and the story they played out with him in this season was was good. It was in the background and it was actually really mm. really enjoyable. Um, but there's there's very little ground. There's very little story to to explore. Um, and Kenny Payne also needs to calm down a little bit. You know, there's some characters that are just too much. Stingray, however, he he was it was really good because he wasn't in it so much um, as other other seasons. So having a little bit of him there was was nice. Yeah, I think he he was definitely a real kind of stand, and I love those kind of like cameo kind of flashbacks. Um, but yeah, I think it is with those. I think in this season, it's almost like. Again, it feels like I'm. It doesn't feel right to say because I'm kind of like picking a hole in the obvious, but like in this season, the fact that, like, even though it was kind of staged, um, you know, the shivin and the prison, yeah. the actual, like, the final fight where actually people are getting like cuts and like fingers chopped off and stuff, like, it kind of shifted the the high school musical comedy factor of karate almost to be a bit kind of like aiming for something else and it kind of it made it feel different yeah to me. no it did and actually uh, i got a little bit worried um at, at one point um in that final episode there was a scene where i was like is, is silver actually thinking uh he's gonna he's gonna commit murder here is he actually you know gonna go the whole way with um with chosen and actually and actually at one point i thought because we didn't know what happened i thought if they just killed him off, and I kept telling myself, "This is Cobra Kai. There's, there's no way that's happening." Um, mm. But it did. It was crossing that line. It was dancing that line, and I, yeah, that's not what we're here for. 
And I think too, like I just honestly, I, like Daniel Larusso was so annoying this this season for some reason for me. Like just his like obsession with shutting down Cobra Kai, and it's kind of like <laughs> it, it just it, it, he becomes almost like my most frustrating character for me. When which is strange because he was such a heroic character yeah, growing right. up, um, and it's so frustrating to see him in this way. And it's like. I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head before where you want to see Johnny Lawrence being Cobra Kai and trying to make something succeed out of nothing. And it's almost like I would almost rather see a, a maybe a fresh intake of kids each season because as they kind of like are training more kids and sort of building up this sort of karate empire. But I think with this season, it just felt like it went so extreme with Cobra Kai just being this huge, horrible franchise. It, it it no longer became cool. It kind of became a bit gross. Yeah. It's and conversely, you know, as you say with Daniel, with uh, with um, with Johnny, compared to the Karate Kid movies, Johnny Lawrence is just his story, his character, everything's elevated, and he's he's on the verge of. I could watch if he was to do a spin off of him on the road, going off doing something completely different. That would be exciting. Um, I. Uh, I just wonder how many more people we can possibly find from those movies to bring back. Cause it's like, I, I think we're done. We're surely done. There, there's no one that there's no one to bring back. Like, unless we start crossing into some other movie franchises. Force, Force Ghost, Mr. Actually, Miyagi. Force Ghost, Mr. Miyagi. Oh yes, that would be, that would be good. And probably not right. I actually feel, I feel like a bit of a scumbag giving this such a hard time because I feel like I'm like, this is like, what do I want from it? It's Cobra Kai. Like I should be a bit more chilled out about it. Um, and for some reason, I'm I'm on my high horse. Um, I'm doing a, a crane. Going, going back, I guess I don't know four years, or whatever. You, when when we were working together, you know, in our other jobs in the daytime, you were walking Abbott for Cobra Kai. It's like. <laughs> I thought you were on the payroll for the marketing team. There was people in our team who were like, "Oh, I hear him say one more thing in that Cobra guy." Exactly, and and I feel like, like I with this season, it made me think back to those moments, and I was like, "Ah," oh. but I don't know. I it's tough. I I think a bit like The Walking Dead. Like when you love something so much, eventually it kind of goes down a path where you can't follow. I remember, and as I say, I remember the days going back probably oh, seven years ago when we used to come in the morning after the walking dead dead had aired and you know it was just all you could talk about and that's 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 where you want a tv show to be at and um i guess we'll see how that goes because we've got the walking dead coming up in a couple of weeks can't wait and i think i think that's what i wanted like i feel like just with i'm really banging on this 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 drum is that like with seasons one two three even a little bit of four i just remember having like a big stupid grin on my face and just having such a good time and i think i had moments of that in this season but it wasn't consistent and i i was kind of glad when the story was finished and i don't i didn't want to feel that way so i hear everything and i wonder if if they go a sixth season if I will become you in that season and it will have gone too far for me because I am I feel it's peaked and it's ready to end and they've they tied things up nicely. You know, there's a couple of loose ends, but everything else has actually come out pretty good and everyone's relatively happy and the bad guys have gone to prison. Actually, that's one thing I will give them credit for um, in this season is when Miguel went to find his dad in Mexico and I love that they didn't drag that story out. They kind of like wrapped it up, two episodes, we're done with this arc, we're moving on. And for the whole season, I was waiting for that kind of story arc to like pick up again and I'm sure it'll come back in season six. But I did actually appreciate that they were like, they weren't dragging everything on. Correct. And they did a better job of the story of going to Mexico to find the dead than they did in Cry Macho going there in, the, in that story. Uh, and how great is uh, Johnny Lawrence, like just dealing with those Australian <laughs> surfers, like... Great. He's the best. It's just really, really satisfying to see him smashing some Australians with the surfboards. And I do actually appreciate that, like, if you're a karate family, like, your whole family just gets involved in fights. Like, when Johnny Lawrence is fighting those surfers and then Robbie just comes in with, like, a flying kick to the side and it's just all on. It's so good. We do appreciate our listeners across the Tasman Sea uh, over in Australia. Indeed, indeed. Except for when they're hustling people, and that's good. <laughs> right. So yeah, that that's uh, Cobra Kai season five. You can watch it on Netflix. Don't be as hard on it as I am. 
go in with the popcorn, rain and neutral. I'm sure you'll have a great time. Shall we um shall we go over to our movie of the week then? Yeah, so uh, each week Paul and I take turns choosing the movie of the week. If you would like to find out what the movie of the week is, then you should probably come and join our Discord channel where we announce that movie every week. This week, Paul, we are reviewing the 2022 movie Fresh. Fresh. Fresh follows uh, Noah, played by Daisy Edgar-Jones, who we uh, we talked about earlier. Uh, she meets the alluring Steve, played by Sebastian Stan, at a grocery store. And given her frustration with dating apps, she just decides to take a chance on him and gives him her number. What could possibly go wrong, Dan? What could possibly go wrong? This is a, a bit of an interesting movie, wasn't it? Like it's This movie for me has kind of popped up on my Disney Plus feed for a while. And I've kind of been lightly intrigued, mostly because I'm a bit of a Sebastian Stan fan. Loved him and Pam and Tommy. Um, love him in the Marvel Universe as the Winter Soldier. Um, obviously, we've just I've just seen um, Daisy Edgar Jones in uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, and so kind of intrigued by the cast. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of a a modern day Hannibal Lecter type film. I don't know. Maybe that's too far <laughs> to say. That's, that's too far. I think no, it's, it's, it's far. interesting because I had some thoughts about. Hannibal in my mind that I was going to bring to the table in, a, in maybe a different way <laughs> but um yeah this is this was an interesting one this was um I'll tell you what's most interesting for me is because when you sent through the movies for movie of the week I gave it a real quick skim read and I saw two people uh and I saw that they were they they were dating I had no I didn't look at the genre and we haven't even touched on that yet either, have we really? Well, I suppose you've mentioned Hannibal. That gives a clue. But I thought, oh, yeah, it could be a bit of a, a bit of a different sort of romance story. So I was I was really uh, thrown off guard when, you know, things started happening at dinner. Well, you were right and wrong because so the, the basic premise of this film, right, is so Noah um, is a classic kind of uh, – what I would think of in sort of like an American movie sense, lucked out on dating, not having much success, um, kind of given up a little bit, tried all the apps, and then m- meets someone, ra- what she feels is randomly in a supermarket, starts a bit of a whirlwind romance with them, and eventually finds herself basically chained up in his house. And it's kind of one of those... Oh, I think horror with a small H in my mind, more of kind of a, a thriller because it's kind of a a little bit of a, not over the top, but a little bit of a a fun horror more Comedy, than a... Comedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was where this movie fell down for me because I, I thought I wanted it to go go darker in that respect. I kind of, I wanted it to... So it's interesting because I didn't realize who Sebastian said, what he'd been in. But now thinking about what you've said about him, because I, I wasn't convinced by his character, but I've now knowing it's him, I think I've heard enough about him to know he's obviously a good actor. So I think it's more the character than the acting because his character, I found a little too, too far, a little too hysterical. And I needed him to be darker, not all the way to Hannibal, but a darker type of character for me. It felt like a bit of Dexter type character and comedy and that character is great in that show but i don't know if it works in this kind of movie where the main protagonist is is this is this girl who we're trying to empathize with and we want to escape and we want to ultimately take this guy out yeah i think dexter's another interesting comparison so just to kind of loop in our listeners who maybe haven't watched the movie so um so so noah finds yourself basically um Staying at this guy's house, he ends up drugging her. She kind of wakes up, kind of chained to a bed, and his kind of whole mo, um, Steve, played by Sebastian Stan, is he basically sells off um, at a very high price pieces of human flesh, and so he kind of at any given time seems to have a couple of girls kind of locked up, and he's slowly kind of like he's trying to keep them alive. He's he's basically sending out my food bag, um, <laughs> for weirdos and so he's you know he's amputating legs he's chopping a bit of flesh off 
off of Fede Party of Body. Um, and he's uh, he's apparently a doctor, so he, he does this in a way that, like, you know, you, you stay alive. Um, and eventually uh, Noah basically attempts to escape and she discovers these other girls that are being sort of captured because she kind of, they talk to each other through the walls. And I think one of the, the great things is one of those voices is actually um, Andrea Bang from... Um, Ah, oh, the convenience store oh. um, show, yeah, Kim's convenience. which you know, she, yeah, comes convenience store, and so and she's fantastic, and so I didn't find myself having so much of a problem with Sebastian Stan, but I think you again Steve. bring up. I think I think the problem was yeah, with Steve, Steve, not the actor. I think it's definitely the Steve yeah. part of it. I think you're right. Like I think this movie should have leaned more into being a bit darker and a bit more edgy. It kind of almost played it safe at times until kind of the final 10 minutes. Yeah. And then it kind of was like an all-out uh, Quentin Tarantino blood yeah. Oh, yeah. And I thought the ending was – I thought it was good. I thought it was stressful. I liked how it wasn't cliche, you know, because you had the guy coming along in the car, and it's like, oh, here he comes. He's going to rescue you. But he doesn't. And, in fact, he even addresses the cliche quite directly and so says, we've all seen this movie. I know how this ends. And he reverses out of there. I thought that was – Again, it was funny, but it was at a time when I didn't need the humor. Um, I would have – just out of balance there. But Daisy Edgar-Jones, I thought she was very good as as Noah. As I said, I haven't seen her before. I thought she was very natural in terms of, you know, she convinced me when she was terrified, and, and I thought she was very good when she was trying to play him and get close to him, and that's when it really kicked off and it got good. Um, I um, – yeah, I just – I thought – there was enough. I thought it started off really strong. It was really clever with the, um, with the, you know, how they figure out where the guy is with the credit card and the receipt and how she starts tracking him. And that was well written as well, because just when you think, oh, this is how she's going to get out, uh, Molly gets caught as well. And it, so it was, it, it was dialing up all the things really well for me, but it just didn't all fit together quite well. And that was a shame. I actually think you went into this movie the best possible way. We're thinking you're going in for a bit of a, a romance yeah. movie, and it all turns a bit dark. Whereas, I think I was kind of waiting for like the the twist, and yeah. So I think it's it's an I had a fun time. It's probably not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it was a enjoyable enough, I guess. Yeah, I I think you're right because as Dad and I were watching it, she was even commenting, "Oh no." do we trust this guy? You know, is something going to happen? And I'm like, he's a good guy. You know, he's funny. He's been generous. He's, yeah, I was like, this is great. <laughs> so of course it wasn't. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, so I think definitely maybe could have gone a bit, a little bit darker, a little bit more leaned into that storyline a bit. But I think for me, this is probably a, probably a two, two and a half, two guns maybe. Yeah, I'd, I'd go two and a half as well. Um, and the, the the thing is, the, the the funny things that didn't fit in this movie for me, actually, on reflection, they were really funny. And you could have gone a whole comedy element. You could have gone the whole way comedy. The guy Chad, mm. the, the first the, the first date, that guy Amazing. did a whole spin off going because he's just the most ridiculous guy of all time. He was great. And then the way it ended with him texting as well, really good. Yeah, two and a half. No, it's a yeah, two and a half is a is a solid rating. And I think, as you say, like a mo- like a movie just on modern day dating. Fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's our movie of the week. You can watch that here in New Zealand on Disney Plus um, or on Hulu, I guess. And one final comment. I know we've wrapped it, but the other thing it reminded me of, Dan, was the TV series You. You know, we've watched three yes. seasons of You. There was a lot of times I was mm. being drawn into that as well. But, um, yeah, be interested if anyone else watches it, what they – and obviously now if they've listened to our review, they, they know which way it's going. But if you've seen it before, I'd be really interested to hear what people think of that. Definitely. So, Paul, I guess it's a pick of the week. Yeah, well, for me, it's uh, quite an easy, straightforward one for me. It's season two, Only Murders in the Building, highly recommended. And, yeah, next to the other, The Many Saints of Newark and and Fresh, for me, this one is a is, is, is a, clean, a clean winner. Well played, Steve Madden, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. What about you? Very good choice. I'm a little bit torn between the documentary I watched and this um, TV show. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give it to the TV show. So under the ban- under the banner of heaven, just because really caught me off guard, was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be, 
And yeah, just an all-round great limited series watch. Check it out on Disney Plus. Nice one. What about your news desk, Dan? What's going on? All right. What great question. What is going on? Um, so I mentioned before um, with the Karate Kid or Cobra Kai, there is talk that Sony is currently producing another Karate Kid movie. Kind of a bit of a, you know, reboot, reset, whatever you want to call it. Nothing to do with the Cobra Kai okay. um, creators. And they've kind of penciled it in for a release date of the 7th of June, 2024. And no official details have come out, but it is sort of feels like kind of your classic um, Karate Kid plot where uh, basically a young man from Beijing moving with his mother to Brooklyn ending up um, schooling a classmate's father in martial art and finding his own path once more. (sighs) Like I kind of feel like we've seen that. (laughs) Like it's, I don't know, it it feels like you're you're muddying the landscape by releasing another Cobra, another Karate Kid. I wonder whether there would be some some better stories to tell, almost in a bit of a Cobra Kai sense. But who knows? Watch the space. I'm sure we'll hear more to come. Um, it looks like we are getting a Constantine sequel. So there was a movie that uh, Keanu Reeves starred in many, many years ago. And he actually mentioned a little while ago on a talk show, is there a movie that he'd love to do a sequel to? And Constantine was one he actually suggested. And now it looks like that is in the works. So very exciting for DC fans. Nice one indeed. Um, Scott Bakula has declined the chance to return as Dr. Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap. So um, that is another TV show getting a bit of a reboot. And I imagine that would have been a a big call for Scott to make that decision. I'm calling it here and now because I had this written down myself. I don't buy it. I believe that Scott Bakula Bakula is going to wait and see how this show goes to see if it because so often you do reboots and they just flop and they don't even go past the first season but if this big turns into something successful uh a couple of seasons three seasons in if it's going really well based on the fact that this whole story from what i understand is is based around what happened to him i think we might find sam beckett i think he'll come back if it goes successful that's my prediction I feel like your knowledge of the Quantum Leap universe and the, the lore, the LORE lore, is deep. Well, I feel like you're a passionate Oh, fan. this was a, a fun watch back in the day, right? And just, uh, you know, the the, the characters, Ziggy, and uh, it was just something fun and special. And it was one of the reasons why I loved it when he turned out, uh, you know, came to Enterprise to be the, the captain for Star Trek series. And uh, so I... I would love to see him return if this goes in the right direction. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I mean, it's a bad example, but David Hasselhoff, you know, he came into the Knight Rider reboot, which went nowhere. And now he's probably looking back and going, oh, I probably didn't need to do that. And it's kind of like, I think it's, let's see if it goes somewhere first. Mm-mm, that's fair. Uh, next bit of news. So there is a, um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance TV series uh, basically headed to Amazon. And so interesting news. So Reggie Jean Page and Glenn Powell um, have been cast for Butch and Sundance. And what's interesting is they're looking at a bit of a, rather than sort of doing a, a straight kind of Western reboot, almost like a Man in the High Castle kind of alternate American timeline for this story. Yeah. Sum me up, you're Paul. using a lot of words. I'm you're using a lot of words that appeal to me. I'm just all of those words are equaling me just putting it on my watch list right there and then. Yeah, no, definitely. So I'm I'm very keen to see where this one goes. And then a final bit of news for me. So uh, for the gaming fans amongst us, so The Last of Us Part One uh, remastered most recently came out, and there is a a moment in that game where you're exploring an office space and what's kind of interesting about this remastered version of the game is it looks exactly like the Dunder Mifflin office from from the office tv show and I just think this is the greatest kind of like small easter egg that you could possibly imagine like just the fact that like you can see Pam's um <laughs> like reception desk you can see michael's office but it's not overtly like this is the office it just it looks and feels like dunder mifflin and to see that in an apocalypse uh type game is just very fun that is amazing i think the um the 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 real 
Easter 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 egg deep inside there would be if they were to do a Scranton office, um, you know, the the UK office. Imagine that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, speaking of the office, sport, I'm another show that's kind of like calling for a rewatch. You know, you and I have shared some uh, shared some gifts of late, and I feel like <laughs> maybe that's that should bump its way up the list as well. Anyway, I digress. Any news on your end? Uh, no, I, I actually just the quantum leap was the the one thing that got my um, attention this week. But other than that, then not not a lot else. In fact, not a lot in our mailbag this week. Nothing going on any of the socials across any of the uh, any of the platforms. So real quiet there. Um, we did have a birthday celebration for our, uh, our good friend Bruce Gray, who was our first ever mailbag um, contributor and hope you had a, a great day Bruce um, and other than that then of course our, our peak performance from last week we had um, Michael Bay um, which um, got a few people involved in the in the chat and in the contributions so uh, we had Michael North, North Carolina pain and gain um, which was no sooner had he suggested that we had Nat in Wellington agreeing with him right off the back um so two votes for for pain and gain as a as a michael bay uh peak performance direction uh ryan from oakland california went with armageddon um which was also the choice uh of patty from time traveling tank podcast whose 321 was the 2007 transformers the rock and peak performance armageddon so a couple of votes for armageddon and a couple for pain and gain Good shout. That's the mailbag. Shall we? Uh, shall we jump on over to our peak performance? Yeah. So this week's uh, peak performance um, is Vigo Mortensen, and as always, we're taking in turns. This was my choice, and I, I kind of as soon as I suggested to you, Dan, I was kind of like, I, I'm going to really struggle here because I've got two things that I cannot. I, I just don't know how to separate them, and I'm curious as to whether you came with the same film. So I'm going to pass to you first. I've got to be honest too, Paul. When you suggested this, I actually went to the website to check, have we done Viggo Mortensen? <laughs> because I feel like we've talked about maybe it's David Cronenberg yes, or... that's right. And I, I, I feel like it's going to bring out some of those those memories. For me, honourable mention, um, easy choice, straight to 2005's A History of Violence. Um really enjoyed um Vigo Mortensen's role as Tom Stall, kind of a a mild mannered man living a simple life turns out he's kind of uh and he's he's trying to change his ways from being in the mob and being basically a bit of a uh, a hitman and I just love those sort of slow burn movies where you slowly see the the dark edge kind of come back on a character and I think this kind of came hot from the the Lord of the Rings era of Viggo Mortensen, and it was just kind of for me a bit of a sleeper hit. Not to mention a stellar cast with uh, Maria Bello, Ed Harris. Um, it's it's a good mm. watch. For me, peak performance can't go past it. Two thousand and one's The Lord of the Rings. I'm going to choose The Fellowship of the Ring. Viggo Mortensen, he's our Strider. He's our Aragon. He's all about like. He's not really about a second breakfast, but he'll support it. Like, I just <laughs> loved, I loved Aragon as a character. Um, I loved what he brought to the role. I loved the um, the trivia, the fight scenes, the the leadership, the kind of the understated hero that he is throughout this whole series. And you know, because so often you're used to kind of the the main action hero kind of being like a bit of a you know, big tough guy, but of like all the all the big clutch lines. But like Vigo's just he's just he's he's super chill. He's got a good vibe about him. He's kind of a a real low key leader, but he he's he's really there to get the job done. And I couldn't imagine the the Lord of the Rings universe without him. And I think when we review the the Rings of Power, it's it's going to be real tough for me not having some of these core characters. Good check. Good show, and um, I'm really pleased with you bringing a history of violence into the mix because that was one of the ones that had to be had to go. You know, we can only have have two mentions, and that, that just missed out. So I'm so pleased you picked that up because my honourable mention 
which is the one I was really struggling with, is, is this going to be my number one, was the 2009 movie The Road. I absolutely love this movie. I mean, I love post-apocalyptic movies, so your, your Book of Eli, your, your Children of Men, your Snowpiercer. I, I just love that setting. I, I don't want to exist in it. I wouldn't last a day, but I love the movie franchise. And this, So this was always going to be one of my choices. It's quite... It's possibly the best post-apocalypse movie ever. I don't know. That was a top 10 list that we should maybe do sometime down. I think we could have a bit of fun with that. But this was a really strong performance. It was really different to anything I'd seen him done before. And so, so yeah, so it's overdue a rewatch. That's 2009's The Road. But my uh, my peak performance, of course, is uh, 1990's Young Guns 2. Uh, no, I'm joking. My, my peak performance, uh, and the only reason that the road is not peak performance is because he's too good as Strider. And I, and I do, it's so interesting that you use the word Strider because a lot of you know, people will say Aragon. And I, I, now I know his name is, is Aragon because I didn't read the books, right? So for me, he was introduced to me as Strider and... And I've so 2001's The Fellowship is the one I went with as well, because it's interesting because I think The Return of the King is possibly the one he might be most associated for or remember for. And fair enough. But like I said, because I didn't read the books, Strider for me, there was always something about the way he he set that tone in Fellowship that really gets me on board with his character, you know, a, a great leader, a great steady voice, a good stare. Um He's just the best, and of course he's you know, he's the king. But um, yeah, it was it was it was it was tough. But in the end, this one definitely won out for me. So I love that we're in sync on a peak performance there. It's um, I nearly chose the road, and I I didn't. I was like, do I want the road? Like it's a great movie, but I kind of like remembered also feel like it's such a dark movie as well, and. But I think great shout, and I'm I'm so glad to get in there. There's one other movie I feel like I know I've already had my turn, Paul, but like, whatever. Like, it, as I feel like I really wanted. This is where I, I really wanted to bring back the Patty system of the three, two, one. <laughs> is that I I wanted to bring in GI Jane, like his role in there as Master Chief, a game changing performance for him, and so different to the role that he normally plays. Like, because he so often plays the mild mannered ultimate nice guy in so many movies yep. i think he's a he's a great actor and he's really i think i th- i think he's gone on to do had to do quite different things considering the blockbusters that he's been involved in yeah no i think you're right and of course you know since we are mentioning other movies a lot of the stuff that he did back in the day we had bit parts you can watch those movies like we talked about crimson tide a while, a while back and of course he plays webs you know the one that um Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington are just casually interacting with a relatively small part. And it's when you watch it now, it's so crazy to see Vigo there. It wouldn't make my choices, but um, a lot of the older things that he just had, you know, Carlito's Way, just so many, so many great old classics, you know, Young Guns too. <laughs> There's Miami Vice. This guy's career goes way back into the 80s and I just feel like he's come into our lives so late and of course you know really just enjoyed him in that last one we saw 13 lives as well so there's a lot of stuff in there and um i've seen a few things on his coming up list and i'm excited and i i completely forgot about 13 lives yeah so so what a movie so good so good well paul that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the half measures podcast does indeed thanks for listening in this week um let us know your peak performance for vigo uh let us know if it is in fact young guns too um if you've got any suggestions for us about anything we reviewed if you've seen fresh and you didn't know what it was either let us know on our facebook twitter or instagram i'm also very intrigued about where you're at with cobra kai if you've seen season five yeah, are you hey this is great this is you know got some room for improvement intrigued to hear your thoughts but also uh, a very special shout out to our patreon producers samara whiting king trisha brady and diana kanawa we couldn't do it without you if you too would like to become a patreon producer then you can find those details in the show notes below but until next week everyone adios